Hey y'all, it's Celeste. I'm back. Um, welcome back to The Celeste Show, Season 5, Episode 2. Today we're talking about the dark side of birth control um, and just continuing our journey of working through Dorothy Roberts' Killing the Black Body. This is a really important podcast um, because one of the things that immediately took place after this summer, uh, I think I think it was announced that Roe versus Wade was essentially dismantled on June 24th of 2022. Um, immediately after several states began to propose legislation to limit contraceptives, uh, birth control, so on and so forth, which is just super wild if you can imagine how crazy that is um that we're living in 2022 and that women are having to have this conversation about you know that's it really are are working overtime to take away abortion but now you are also working overtime to also get rid of um (laughs) contraceptives child and you know like women not being able to have abortions but now you're trying to get rid of birth control that shit is wild to me so let's get into it so first and foremost when you talk about birth control in america you cannot have that conversation without doing it through an intersectional lens and without talking about the way that race completely completely changes the way that women in particular are going to interact with birth control when we talk about feminism Feminism, the name feminism, first and foremost, I think it's really hard to say or give like credence to like these this this specific set of women invented feminism because feminism before it even had a name has been around for literally thousands of years. Women across cultures, classes, eras, centuries, millennia have exercised their very agency in various different situations um throughout their lives and which and you know whatever society they may happen to be living at that particular time whatever the case may be but when we talk about birth control it does have roots in the white american feminist movement um and you know we, we can't talk about we can't talk about Birth control without talking about Margaret Sanger and Planned Parenthood and its origins eugenics and how all of this kind of coalesces together to really make this a very complex conversation so first things first um let's get into it so with when you're talking specifically about birth control different racial groups of women have used it for different reasons so for instance um when slavery was still a legal institution chattel slavery was still a legal institution black women were in many ways pushed to have children forced to have children through rape, through breeding, through all these different means to ensure that um, their masters or the people who own them, that their capitalistic interests were protected at all costs. Slaves were money, especially women slaves, because they could birth more slaves that would increase, you know, the level or the amount of money that whoever owned them could make. Um, So black women enslaved black women were forced to have babies they were you know essentially kept pregnant they were incentivized even we talked about this in the first podcast but you know there were certain instances where if black women had you know if you had 10 or 12 kids by a certain age you would be eligible to gain your freedom or whatever the case may be um that is not always um that was not always respected. And so a lot of the time, these black women literally birthed, birthed themselves and gave birth to children literally until they died 
or died in the process, whatever the case may be. Many of these women died before they could each even reach the quota of children they were supposed to have, where they were supposedly supposed to earn their freedom. So during slavery, black women were forced to have children, right? Immediately, immediately, like almost immediately after this institution is outlawed, pushed away, you know, wait a couple years, we're in the early 1900s. Now this conversation, uh, you start having these large populations of black people migrating into these urban cities, setting up shop, taking over entire neighborhoods. Now the conversation is going to shift into black women need to be sterilized. They need to be on birth control. They need to stop having all these damn kids. And where have you heard that before? This is a throwback. This conversation is this conversation that we have. That's a more contemporary, more modern conversation about the welfare queen that just has children, you know, irresponsibly. It all comes back to this. It has historical roots in the conversation that we're we're having today in regard to after slavery ending, black women being criticized and told they should not have children. They should not be trying to, you know, engage in any way. Um, and, you know, basically their reproductive agency, like you don't need that many kids. Once again, a form of control. Black women can never win. It's either you have no kid, you have, you know, you have dozens of kids or you don't have any at all. And if you do have kids, your kids are technically still not yours. They still are within the realm of the interest of white people and how your children, your reproductive, uh, your reproductive freedom can ultimately be controlled. Um, this, this conversation about eugenics also is sprouting up in the early 1900s, the early 1920s in regard to how can we curtail these populations of people that we find the least desirable. And of course, black people are, are, are tossed into the mix or thrown into the conversation. Um, they don't want black people having kids. They don't want black women, you know, reproducing. They do not, they don't respect or um, uphold the institution of the black family. They don't want any of that happening. Um, and this, this eugenics conversation, this eugenics, this conversation that's rooted in eugenics, that's rooted in sterilization. It goes all the way into the seventies and eighties, 1970s and eighties, where, these government-sponsored family programs are not only encouraging black women to use birth control, but also coercing them into being sterilized. Um, it literally shifts. So slavery, you're being forced to have kids, and then as slavery is done away with, um, these recent policies, more recent policies, more modern contemporary policies are seeking to reduce the fertility of black women. Now, um... We also have to talk about how birth control, because within, like, this is the thing I want people to understand when you talk about black people. The black community is very, very diverse. It is very nuanced. Um, birth control was also seen as a form of racial betterment. So if we are, you know, and, it's, and we say racial betterment, this all, like I said, again, it all has ties into this conversation about eugenics. And it all has ties into how we can stop the people that we see to be you know the least valuable the least respectable the least desirable the people that we feel like you know are basically a burden on society because that's what black people were seen as and still in many ways right a burden on society how can we stop them from having more kids so birth control um was also peddled to black communities as a form of racial betterment and you will not believe this to people our talented 10th brothers and sisters were the ones tasked with going into black communities and telling other black people that they should not be having all these damn kids. Literally, I cannot make this shit up. Literally. Um, and that is by design. Margaret Sanger, when she 
because she did when she got in bed with the racist to push her agenda. And then we're going to get into this conversation with Margaret Singer racist. I say she is, and I'm going to tell you why here in a little bit, in a few minutes. But we get into this conversation of like, um, why specifically do we have, you know, our, our, our educated uppity black people being the ones that are pushing this particular dialogue and this rhetoric and these conversations into, you know, lower and middle class black communities in black society. And the answer, like, again, I cannot make this up. The answer is that Margaret Sanger, when she got in bed with these people who support eugenics and invented this whole entire eugenics movement and were, you know, really, really encouraging sterilization of black women and birth control, really what this is, is that they figured out we as white people cannot go into these black communities and tell these black people to stop having all these kids. It's not going to be effective. It's not going to work. So in response, what we're going to do, or, you know, in, in response to this and, and to essentially be more effective in what we're trying to do in regards to like pushing birth control, pushing this eugenics movement, we will essentially task educated black people to go into these communities and tell these poor black people in the hood and the ghetto and the slums hey, you should be engaging in birth control. You should be engaging in, you know, essentially, you know, these contraceptive practices um, because it's a form of racial betterment. And they were also sent into these communities because a lot of black people peeped this shit early on. They were like, you know, killing our kids. Like, first and foremost, why would we do that? We literally spent 300 years enslaved where our kids were sold away from us. So now, you know, literally, um, it's a blessing to be able to have kids. Like, we're, we're very happy that we're able to have as many kids as we want to. Blase, blase. But they peeped that shit. They were like, this, this abortion shit, all this, this is a form of racial genocide. And so these educated black people were essentially tasked to go into these communities and counter that argument. Like, no, it's not racial genocide. It's not, you know, it's not, um, it's not... Like family planning isn't isn't a form of racial genocide. We're we're trying to better the race. Now, again, these conversations are so interesting to have because two things can be multiple things can be true all at once, right? Should black women in any space and time in any era be allowed to have as many kids as they fucking want to? Period. Yes. Is abortion, birth control, family planning often necessary and something that they should also have access to? Absolutely, yes. So let's carry on. So let's talk about Margaret Sanger and the birth control movement. So Margaret Sanger was a hardcore feminist, uh, how do you know, a hardcore white liberal feminist, um, who felt that after the Comstock law was passed in 1873, which essentially said that contraceptives were obscene and made their circulation through mail a crime. So basically, at that point in 1873, through the Comstock law, birth control becomes illegal. It becomes criminalized. Um, if you're engaging in contraceptive practices, anything like that, you are now seen um, as deviant, as, you know, or, or, or essentially what they were saying, what they tried to say, and what they, the conversation or rhetoric that the politicians who were responsible for the Comstock law, they built all this propaganda and this, this, these conversations, rhetoric around birth control that basically said only whores, loose women, sluts need birth control. Like if you're a modest, abstinent, you know, upstanding woman what are you even doing having sex in the first place you don't need birth control so they passed this law in 1873 um you know what essentially happens that after this is that (laughs) 
for years after 1870, after the Comstock Law is passed, um, birth control is essentially illegal. So what happens is Margaret Sanger, she really comes to prominence like in the, like in the, the late 19-teens, early 1920s. She devotes her life um, to women being able to have birth control, practice contraception in defiance of any of these laws, social, social conventions, whatever. So she founds this organization called the American Birth Control League in 1921. Um, and she's going to join up with other groups over the next course of that decade and into the 1930s. And they are essentially going to become, after all these organizations join together, they're essentially going to become what we now know today as Planned Parenthood. Um, and I support Planned Parenthood, 100%. What they do today. What they were doing back then, some shady shit. Um, they're going to essentially say that we are reproductive rights activists. And Margaret, Margaret Sanger essentially is going to become known as the mother of birth control in one of America's literally most outspoken supporters of contraception. Now, her original defense of birth control is feminine. She says women should be able to be able, you know, they should be able to family do family engage in family planning. They should not have to in any shape, form, whatever the case may be, they shouldn't have to be, you know, engage in like this, this super like engage in this practice of where they're having to tell all their business, like their reproductive business to other people. And I support that. That's true. I believe that was true then. I believe it's true today, especially today, especially in the time that we're living in. Now, she is going to stress the importance of contraceptives so that women can control their lives. Um, but she also understands from the gate, and this is also true to me, this is true too, men are going to have to cooperate with this ideology in order for it to actually work. Now, um, it's going to become like a, a subject of national attention when she's arrested a couple of times um, for violating these, these anti-contraception laws. She... How do we say this? At some point, she begins to realize that she'll be more effective if she can get white men on board with her. So she essentially gets in bed with the devil. Um, things get murky around this period. Okay. So what happens is she gets, she joins up with these people who are essentially like, you know, she takes this whole dialogue. She's been preaching for almost 25 years and she's like, okay, like, um, how do we make this a more mainstream argument? How do we get more people on board with what I've been saying from the very gate? She joins up with these white men. These white men are the inventors and supporters of the eugenics movement. So essentially what happens at this point is like, you know, she's still technically pushing what she originally said she was pushing, standing for the causes, supporting the causes she originally said she was supporting and, and, and whatnot. But she decides that she'll be more effective as she gets into this eugenics movement 
So now let's get into that. So at this point in time, um, you're talking about a time when Woodrow, Woodrow Wilson was president. You're talking about a time of like renewed racism. Um, and I say renewed, like it was like, it was vehemently, this is the same, this is around the same time that Birth of a Nation was released and, you know, literally screened at the fucking White House and accepted as like, you know, the truth and as doctrine that black people in particular are deviant, in particular are, you know, black men are rapists, black women are completely morally, hyper, uh, unmorally or immorally hypersexual or, you know, all these different ideas that are not necessarily new, they're definitely not new ideas, become renewed and become reinvigorated. These loose-ass black women and these nasty, hypersexual black men having all these babies that they can't take care of, fucking up our cities, taking over entire neighborhoods, becoming a burden to the American society, a burden to the American economic system. How do we solve this problem? We need to stop these women from having babies. Eugenics is, you know, and eugenics, unfortunately, a lot of people don't talk about this either. Eugenics has a lot of ties to Darwinism. It has a lot of ties to like survival of the fittest. These people are, these people are uneducated. These people are stupid. These people are all these different things. Let's get rid of them. Let's do this. Let's figure out a way that, you know, since they're already inferior to the rest of, you know, upstanding white society, how do we get rid of these people? So she's like, okay, this racist, this ra- these racist ideologies were, you know, the foundation of the eugenics movement. Eugenics is like, basically, it's the, it's the, it's the, it was inherently like, it's what was going to happen next. That was what essentially, this is the scientific explanation for racist ideology but black people in particular are inferior we need to curtail their reproductive um justice and their reproductive freedom we need to figure out how we can stop them from having all these damn babies well let's make a science out of it call eugenics that says that basically we need to stop the most inferior like whoever in our society is at the very bottom the poor black the people who are disabled people who are queer stop them they don't need to be having no damn kids we don't want them reproducing more of what they are so this eugenics movement, she essentially gets into bed with these people and basically starts pushing this idea that, well, you don't want those people to have any more kids. We should start pushing birth control and contraception. Now, guess who was not being pushed to get on birth control and use contraceptives? You guessed it. Of course, white women, they always, always, even to this day, even to this day, when this ruling was passed down in June of this past summer, 2022, June 24th, you have to lie, you had to be there to see it, baby, because literally, even today, these alt-right, far-right, racist, white extremists, yes, this is the champion for the, this is a, you know, this is a, a win for the white race, because guess who is not wanting to have kids? These educated, upwardly mobile, rich white women are like, no, nah, I'm not having these fucking kids. I'm not. I don't want to. They have, you know, through feminism, through now being able to vote, they have tasted what freedom can really look like for them. They're like, no, nah, I don't want sp- to be, you know, fucking pregnant and barefoot in the kitchen slaving over a fucking stove for a man. That's what they said, period. Now, what we have is next what goes on is that um, essentially... Margaret Sanger is like, well, if y'all really want to push contraceptives, if we want to make this, you know, a bigger thing, they start peddling contraceptives, sterilization, all these different things as um, (laughs) basically a way to control the black population. 
So around, um, you know, it's just, I can't, I cannot tell you how much and how racist this country was at this point in time, right? Like, What's happening is that during this point in time, immigration is on the rise. You have a lot of Jewish people. You have large Irish, Italian, Polish communities taking over neighborhoods as well in places like Philadelphia, New York, and Chicago. These people are also not considered desirable. These people are also people that they do not want to necessarily reproduce. Um, So essentially, America, classic, contemporary, old-stock white America starts urging white women to bear more children for the good of the nation, to save the race. Like, this literally sounds like some far-right, super racist, 14 words bullshit. Like, this is a, this is essentially what this is. Um, you have presidents in this era, not even just Woodrow Wilson, Theodore Roosevelt, essentially saying that, you know, they're like you you women deciding to just be like you you wanting to be you wanting to white women decide they want to be sterilized they don't want to have children that's unacceptable it's unforgivable literally said he's literally quoted as saying willful sterility is from the standpoint of the nation from the standpoint of the human race the one sin for which there is no atonement he literally says this um it's it's really crazy because this is also happening this eugenics movement is also going to influence what takes place 20, 25, almost 30 years later when Adolf Hitler comes to power in, in Europe, in Germany, and starts pushing this message that, you know, we need to get rid of the Jews and we need to get rid of, you know, people who are not part of or, you know, with under the umbrella of the Aryan race for the betterment of our continent, for the betterment of our nation, for the betterment of the world. This shit is not new. This shit is also taking place in Africa, Africa's colonized at this point in time in history, almost entirely by France, Britain. I think by this point, Belgium had been kicked out, but by European countries, Africa, the entire continent of Africa is colonized. Same idea, same racist idea. We need to stop the people that we do not want to have kids from having kids. Crazy stuff. Now, what I will say about Margaret Sanger, so I want to, I want to say this, um, Around this time, um, a New York eugenicist named Madison Grant is going to write this book called The Passing of the Great Race, okay? (laughs) And essentially what he says in this book, to just give like a brief overview, is he extols the superior qualities of the Nordic race. He calls basically the the Nordic race, in this this case is white people, he calls them, you know, a people of rulers, organized and aristocrats. And he says they're responsible for every great civilization that ever existed. What this does is it gives scientific credence to racism. Another book, another another doctrine that gives scientific credence to racism that basically says that because we have been so successful and others have not been able to reach our level of success, don't you know, excusing colonialism, all the different horrible things that European nations have done around the world, robbing entire continents of their natural resources, their economic stability, their economic freedom. He essentially says, we have been able to do all of that because we are superior. We need to breed more because we are superior so that more people could be like us and less people will be like them. Those weaker, inferior races, those black people, those people of color, the Irish, the Jews, the Poles, let them, let, you know, let the motherfuckers die out, essentially is what he's saying. This is crazy. Um, but our good sis, Margaret Sanger, finds that this is 
good, you know, good, good breeding ground for her to do what she going to do. Now, the eugenicists also oppose social programs designed to improve living conditions of the poor. Um, they say that, you know, the stuff that we, we will provide, like these social programs that provide adequate medical care, working conditions, minimum wage, they all harm society because they enable inferior people to keep surviving. We should do away with those. If you're worth survival, then you'll just survive on your own. If you have, if, if you know, if you're going to survive, then you have that inherently in you. Those blacks, they ain't got that. Us, we have it. That's why we're so successful. That's why we own all the money and own everything in the entire world. We don't need to be creating all these different. And these are people that are, these are literal professors at Ivy League schools, places like Yale and Harvard and Columbia that are peddling this dialogue and this rhetoric that's being broadly accepted by our entire nation. This shit can still be seen today. And this, this, you know, this rugged individualism that Americans continue to perpetuate, which is, I mean, very honestly, just a fucking myth, to be honest, okay? It's a myth. That shit don't exist. This shit is not real. But this idea is being peddled that we don't need to have social pro- We don't need to, you know, we don't need to do any of that. Because if you work hard enough, if you're good enough, you're going to do it anyway. You're going to survive anyways. You're going to be successful anyways. We know because of race, the critical race theory, because of all these different things that brilliant people have now brought to the forefront that all this shit is a myth. It's a lie. Now back to our great sis, Margaret Sager, because I got to wrap it up. We're approaching that 30 minute mark and I want to, I got things to do today. Margaret Sanger, is she racist? I don't know. What do you say? Because what do you call somebody who claims to not be racist, but will do and get in and get in bed with racist people for the better, the betterment, the overall good, the overall mission? I find it, quite frankly, very fucking unforgivable that she coupled herself up with the eugenicist movement and eugenicist uh, scholars, activists, so on and so forth just so that they could push and basically popularize birth control. Because what's happening is, it's a half, it's like a half freedom, right? These white women that she has purported to support from the very beginning, they're not being encouraged. They're being actively discouraged to exercise their reproductive justice and their reproductive freedom by being able to have access to contraception and birth control. Let's start there. On the other side, you are forcibly incur you are encouraging black women and any woman any woman from any marginalized group you're actively encouraging them to be forcibly sterilized once again telling a group of people and groups of people that have historically not had any freedom that they still don't have any fucking freedom you still can't have kids when you want to you still can't engage in family planning you still you know you still none of that none of it I will tie this into a more contemporary conversation because I'm really about to, like, as soon as I wrap up all the other shit I'm doing, I'm going to dive into really talking about this. But we see this today as well, too. Abortion access has been taken away from us because white women are not having enough babies. People of color are having too many babies. Um, I, I do... And this is just me, and I want to talk about this more. This is this podcast really isn't the space to really say this, but I do want to really start exploring the links between the prison industrial complex, mass incarceration, and in particular, women of color, in particular, black women not having access to abortion. Now, what I see is that they, they, American government, the system, the powers that be, 
they want everybody to have kids and they want you to have kids no matter what circumstance your life are your life is in if you're poor keep having kids because you can't take care of them which means eventually they will become wardens of the state they'll be filtered into the prison industrial complex where they'll basically become enslaved to our government and have to work away their youth and their health in some prison where they're making money for a bunch of rich white men. We have to keep having these conversations. We have to keep really talking about the history. I just wrote a piece about why the factual retelling of history is so important. I'm going to end here, but I'm just going to say this. Um, The factual retelling of history is, in my opinion, the greatest tool that activists and advocates have. We need to know this. If you are not reading this book, you need to be reading this book. If you don't know what took place, you don't know how we got to where we are. You don't know why it's so critical and why it's so important that women are able to women. I don't care who you are, what kind of woman you are, that you have access to be able to plan how, when or if you want to have children. That is one of the like bodily autonomy Y'all, it is the foundational human right. It is the foundational human right. Without it, there can be no real freedom. There can be no real freedom if women and the most marginalized groups of women do not have a say in how their bodies are going to exist in this world. Period. Point blank. I cannot say that enough. That is the truth. I cannot wait to see you guys again. Um, I'm hoping to record the third podcast much sooner than I was able to record this one, but we're going to really dive into a more contemporary conversation because now I'm giving this podcast is about the history. Um, when I come back, what I want to do is I want to have a more contemporary conversation about essentially what is like, what, what happens? How does birth control? Cause like I said, and I mentioned this at the beginning of the podcast, Black women was getting sterilized well into the 70s and 80s. Indigenous women on these reservations getting sterilized without their consent. This shit has been, like, this was happening in, like, you know, my sister's 36. This was happening in my sister's lifetime around the time that she was born, around the time that my mom had my sister. Black women and marginalized groups of women were still getting forcibly sterilized. They were getting sterilized without their knowledge. We got to get into it. Thank you guys so much. I will see you very, very soon. Take care. Later.